study buddy. Meditation philosophy for the heart of your practice. Once again, welcome. Um, this week's sutra is, in my opinion, really empowering. It empowers us with the sort of with the teachings that we all intuitively know how to meditate. We know how to turn our attention with them. And it's just a matter of practice. Now, I know this is something we hear uh, in our tradition, effort over time equals growth. But when you hear the word effort, you don't always think of something special, something intuitive you know you could think of just so oh, it takes effort to shovel a hole and it just feels like oh efforts just uh, muscle sweat endurance etc but this sutra teaches us that the effort that we use to meditate is a very special kind of effort it's a special kind of intelligence and that when we meditate we are really cultivating this unique intuition this unique intelligence um, and so we find ourselves with this, we're sort of given two things at once. One, we're given the gift of the fact that we have the spiritual intuition to turn inwards. And then two, we're given that with coupled in the container of, but you must practice it in order for it to become real. So. With that, let's take a couple of moments here to do our initial uh, movement and centering practice. Hey, well. All right, so from the seat that you're in, good level, okay. All right, so from the seat that you're in, I want you to start, and I know we do this a lot, but act like it's the first time. Start subtly moving in your seat as if you were in a small pond of water and the water had a little current in it. Imagine it's warm and it's you know, beautiful out. Try to let your movements be slightly, or try to let them be organic, meaning they're not the same twice. Just like if you're in a pool of water. And notice, you're not just moving randomly. If you really pay attention, you're moving around your center. No one has to tell you where your center is. When you go right, you're going right of center. When you go left, you're going left of center. So right now you are drawing these organic circles around your center point without anyone having to tell you where that center is. Now, if you can allow your awareness to feel center while moving, that's something worth practicing.
allow your movements to become 50% smaller so that you're using even less effort, but there's still a gentle little bit of movement. You're even closer to your center. And then very gradually, let the current slowly subside so that you simply float, you simply arrive at an intuitive center point, balance. Notice the lightness. From this state, let's let the vibrations of the sutra affect you at a more subtle level. I'll separate the sutra a little so you can pronounce it with me. Diva Sat, Diva Sat, Sattva Siddhi, Sattva Siddhi, Diva Sat, Sattva Siddhi. And say it to yourself like a mantra. Diva Sat Sattva Siddhi. Diva Sat Sattva Siddhi. And then a little bit quieter. Diva Sat Sattva Siddhi. Diva Sat. Through the higher spiritual intelligence, there's the realization of the light of the self. Through the higher spiritual intelligence, there's the realization of the light of the self. Let's break that down just a little bit. Diva Sat is this higher spiritual intelligence. And then Sattva Siddhi is realization of the inner light of the self. We have seen the word Sattva in previous sutras. And so this has come to mean a, a, really, a really pure experience of Shiva. It has been referred to in the last three or four sutras as this really pure experience. So that would be like that inner light, that lightness of, of the self. Siddhi is a word that we encounter often in our tradition um, in the form of uh, our gurus, of the lineage of teachers who are often referred to as siddhas, realized beings. So realizing the inner light of the self, sattva, siddhi. And then this di diva, which you already translated, but this di, di, is translated, and I'll go to this next slide to show you Shamaraja talking about it. He says, Dih means the intelligence 
proficient in the awareness of the essential nature. Hang in there. Through it, there is the realization of the sattva, which means the subtle inner throb of the light of the self. D means the intelligence, proficient in the awareness of the essential nature. Through that intelligence, uh, we realize the sattva, which means the subtle inner throb of light of the self. Jayadeva Singh rephrases the same concept in his translation. The yogi realizes the sattva, the light of the essential nature of self, through this spiritual intuition. Reread that. Feel with it, right? Feel with it on your own for a moment. Don't feel rushed. So we see established right away that within us, we have a light of the self. It's like a light shining from within that's throbbing from within. We see that we have the capacity to realize this light. And that this realizing capacity is called like a spiritual intelligence. Or as Jaideva Singh uh, or translates it, he calls it a spiritual intuition, which I, could even be more helpful for you. I know it was for me. Because when we think of intuition, we often think of an intelligence that's not from our ego, right? You think of it like an intelligence that's almost like in your DNA, an intelligence that comes from within, that you're not even consciously aware of. And so that might be a really helpful way to interpret spiritual intelligence, which is maybe why Jayadeva Singh translated um, Shemraza's original words from a thousand years ago in that, in that way. And then we also see in this, this word proficient, proficient, that this spiritual intelligence is proficient in the awareness. This is a word we come across occasionally when we're reading we sort of know what it means some of us are really may really know what it means but in case you have any sort of gray area there um, if you're going to define it like webster style proficient quote implies a thorough competence derived from training and practice so proficient is specifically a competence derived from practice and training on something so we have this spiritual intelligence. We have a spiritual intuition, but doesn't mean it's done. Doesn't mean it's fulfilled itself completely. It's like we have this potential. We have all the tools we need, but there's a practice element which allows it to show us that light of the self. So essentially, you know, that's what we do that's what's happening when we're doing our practice. So for example, when you're doing Yeah. When you're doing mantra, for example, and your mind wanders and then you bring it back. 
to the practice. What aspect of our awareness did that? You know, it's like, wait, so there's, I'm doing mantra, my mind wanders, and then I bring it back to the mantra. And you have to ask yourself, you're like, wow, you're presented right there with this concept. You have a spiritual intuition, something that can recognize when my mind is wandering. But that very same thing uh, needs to be practiced so that it can become better at holding its focus on the mantra, for example. So let's just take a couple minutes right now and do some mantra together and actually encounter this idea directly. Because if you're wondering, that's 100% of how I do it. <laughs> I read a little and then I'm like, well, I want to feel that, right? So I know you're all in a good, comfortable seat, but before we settle in, you're always welcome to you know, move your spine around a little bit. <clears throat> we'll just do a minute or two of mantra together and try to notice this aspect of when the mind wanders, what brings it back? Om Gam Dana Pattaye Namaha 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 Om Gam Dana Pattaye Namaha. So we'll, we'll call that the first level. And let's try it one more time with one more level to hold our attention on. We all know that the mantra is commonly described as having the most power in the heart and the least power in the mouth but yet we start at the mouth and we have to make our way down from the mouth to the throat to the heart. So as you repeat the mantra again, if you wanted to feel the power of this mantra in your heart, how do you go there? How do you do that? Do you need someone to tell you where it is? A little bit. Well, it's in your heart. That's it. So now how do you go there? You're going to access your spiritual intelligence to find the heart of this mantra. 
let's try it. Om Gam Gana Pattaye Namaha 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 sit for just one more moment and repeat the mantra silently with your breath flow. Your mind may repeat the mantra, but there's a spiritual intelligence that repeats it with devotion, repeats it with internal perception, with awareness.
So take a moment now to just reflect um, with a pen and paper or type a little, but just to reflect for a moment and ask yourself what this spiritual intelligence means to you. What does it feel like? How would you describe it? And just, just for yourself, what's the feeling of accessing it? feel like when you feel like you're actually working with it what are some how does it feel different than when you're just saying the mantra with your mind so just take a minute If you're not the writing type, do try to articulate it in some way internally with a keyword or a key phrase. And if you have a moment, just type it into the chat box just to see how this all lines up. You don't have to do it, of course. Letting go, fully present, softening from here. You know, it's interesting that to access this intelligence, we have to let go of something else that tends to occupy our mind. Centered, absolutely limitless. Kumbhaka, so the space between the breaths, that pause, the infinite pause. Internal repetition, mantra takes over. Overflowing. Coming home. Free. Peaceful peacefulness. Absolutely. Sunanda, the fun thing for me is that it is a space where I lose my words. Oh, well, isn't that true? Thank you for articulating that. Even you articulated that well. 
not having words. She does words for a living, so I can see how that would be an important thing for her to lose. And Dharma, me too. Well, thanks. Awesome. Yeah, I find that uh, it's very, um, somehow very clear. There's a, there's a feeling in this practice that I guess I'm always having to deal with explaining things, right? That's a part of just teaching philosophy and, and reading and interpreting it. And when I came across this sutra, it felt like that's not the job. <laughs> because the because the actual practices are very simple, right? Repeat mantra, bring your awareness to your heart. Like it only takes 30 seconds to learn how to do a practice like that. The actual technique is utterly simple, but the practicing of it, that's where the instruction lies. That's where the growth lies. That's where the, you know, the work is and really trying to feel what it is we're practicing. So hopefully that is a little boon or a little boost for you like it was for me. So we're, um, I definitely wouldn't leave the floor open for if there's any questions or comments. I know the keyword thing was probably a bulk of your comment and that was awesome. We're leaving it open for another moment before we move on. Sure, Nanamon, thanks. Well, I really liked that. And I felt like there was a, kind of cracked through a layer. And I'm really thankful that it was tonight going into the meditation retreat. Mm -hmm. because I feel like um, it'll be interesting to see, you know, work with this a little bit during the meditation intensive and see where that takes, takes me sinking in a little deeper. So thank you. Thanks. I totally agree. The timing of it felt like really good just to like just to take the stress of technique off the table and to just put it right in your lap and say you know how to do this right before we get to practice for three days together yeah you're right it's great timing comment here well yeah i will say it for you Hmm. Should I repeat a little bit of that? So non-doership um, was the, the take. Uh, there's a, a sense of non-doership, like there's an underlying essence, you know, within our practice that we always think we have to come at it sort of from the top. And, and peel away, but that there's something that's already inside there that knows how to do it and to like really at that non-doership level. It seemed to un unpack the, the concept of non-doership for Manvira. Yeah, I definitely agree. Non-doership really came through big time for me as well, um, which I think is great because that word intuition, which Mandira also mentioned 
that word intuition really helps us all remember that there's an intelligence within us that doesn't always have to come from, you know, our, our thinking mind. Nanima, yeah. Yeah, years ago, I had um, somebody talk about intelligence in this way. They said, like, when you cut your hand, you don't have to think about it healing. Your body just knows how to heal, that there's that innate intelligence. And it kind of reminded me of that, that getting out of the way. We, didn't, we don't have to do anything. It's already there. Right. Yeah, like we might put a Band-Aid on the cut or clean it out. There's a, there's a small level of intelligence that can support something that's so much bigger, so much more profound, you know? We, might, we have a little part to play, right? Like keep it clean and, except, you know, little things that actually go a long way, interestingly enough. You know, just the very idea of washing your hands was not always known, right? It's actually just a couple hundred years old, if I'm not mistaken. Somebody probably going to know the date. Cat might know the date. But there is a date when the, the idea of washing your hands became known. Wash your hands before, and in the, this guy's case, before delivering babies was the thing, like his job implied it. And, um, and so a little thing that we do here can help a much bigger thing you know, unfold. And so we have to do a little work. We have to bring our attention back. We have to repeat this mantra and hold our awareness at the heart. But really those are like minuscule compared to the, what's occurring under the surface of this Band-Aid. So Nanda. I'm just, I'm just so happy we're talking about this because um, I have been just floating on the talk that you and Morale gave last week. Mm. I mean, that really was just so perfect, so mm. beautiful. And I wrote all these notes and it's, I've been read like I have it right here next to my altar, my notes, um, where you both, you said, we transcend doership by relaxing, by becoming expansive, softening, releasing tension. And you said in meditation, we prepare ourselves for the reception of consciousness. And that really has been like a mantra for me all week, preparing ourselves for the reception of consciousness. So I think I just wanted to express gratitude for that message last week and then just how it's showing up again this week and it's just really this kind of living breathing teaching right now that's really powerful hmm. well i'm really grateful for your kind words it means a lot thank you and then also i'm so grateful i agree a lot of these sutras are sort of compounding on our work outside of the sutras and it seems to be creating this bigger momentum within our practice like i just keep feeling like week after week uh that we're we're not just at which is ideal like we're not just adding information and, and, and we're actually getting really we're getting better at this you know we're actually getting better at it and not from an egotistical perspective but just getting more proficient you know, we're just, 
you know, we're starting to white, you know, we didn't know to relax, you know, and we look and we read and we're preparing the stuff and we share with each other and we talk and we try it and you go, you become a better practitioner with like that little refining. And then with this sutra, like saying there's an intuition and you go, oh, of course there's an intuition. And then you try it and then you got it, you know, and it really feels like what you're saying, like all of these little pieces are not just stacking one on top of the other, but rather they're, they're changing the whole experience one little piece at a time yeah i mean i was really grateful for that non-doership talk because it wasn't our original idea but like it came through as we were talking about something else we both go that's the topic and so i was like grateful for that opportunity to even work on that Thank you. Anju, didn't see your hand there. Thanks. No problem. Yeah, and just kind of sitting here with this today too and, and, and this idea of non-doership and sort of that growth from last week, I think what's kind of been really interesting that I've sort of felt kind of since the intensive in, um, in the new year is, um, is kind of that idea that like when I can really get into my heart and really do that and get out of my own way is that it becomes really collective as well. It's not like me and my work and what's happening to me and how I'm growing, but like feel much more connected to sort of the collective growth and the fact that like, it's, it's not necessarily about ego, I, me, but really about this greater sense of, of I and that, that level of intuition and consciousness. And that's, that's been a really big shift for me. And that kind of connects into where this sutra feels like it's kind of taking me tonight too. Hmm. Yeah, it's one of those silver linings of, of Zoom culture is that we've never been together so much and in such a meaningful way as a Sangha. And so you can really feel like we're all actually working on this together. Tanda Devi. This sutra feels really familiar because I think I've actually been teaching it in all of my yoga and meditation classes as the theme for, I don't know, months now, just using different words every time. Hmm. And, you know, like anything we teach, it's really beautiful to have it turned around and taught back to me <laughs> so then I can re-experience it again. Well, that's pretty special that you've been sort of riding that that wave for this long. So it's awesome just to hear that it's been a part of your practice already and that you've been sharing it. It's nice to see it come from the source, you know, back in the sutras, you know, back with Shemaraja and, and sort of see some of its origins. Dharma. So I, when, when we were practicing mantra together, I, I had this uh, more of a visual um, image type of uh, thought than a word thought. 
So that's why I just said me too. And words don't always do a good job of it, but it was this idea that um, sometimes I feel like I have to, um, when I say it, like create, I have to, I have to create something. Um, and then when I'm done with my practice, I take the thing that I made, the tool to help me do my practice, almost like I have to turn my hands into shovels. Like that's the tool I have to create. I have to turn my hands into shovels. And then when I'm done, I throw the, I, I let the shovels go. And the thought or the image came to me where it's like, I don't need to let the shovels go. I can keep my hands as shovels <laughs> so that when I sit down again, they're already shovels and I can just get to the work of sort of using them and get out of the way mm -hmm. instead of having to take that mind and feel like I have to make shovels again. I've already done it. They're there. I know how to use them. So just use them. It was very, it was very hard to think of how to explain that, but it was, it was sort of that feeling. Yeah. I'm just sort of feeling with it because it seems so specific. I'm trying to bring it into my practice. Yeah, I can see how the shovels, like having to expend that energy to create that could feel a little, not, I wouldn't call it, I'll just say for the sake, lack of a better word, distracting, where you feel like it's the work that I'm after, not the tool. And so just the, this intuition aspect points you towards the work. It just says like, it's in there already and the tool's already a part of you and all you have to do is direct it. All you have to do is just really like just practice uh, allowing it to function. And so in a way it's like, we might not look, our hands might not look like shovels, but in a sense, because there is something called spiritual intelligence, spiritual intuition, there is something in us that does, is able to find the spirit within the realm of our everyday life. And like, whether it's a shovel or a stick of dynamite or a war, uh, feather, you know, I mean, a feather duster, it doesn't matter. It's just like, we have to feel for that. Where's the work in this moment, right? And usually it's better to start with a feather duster because that'll keep you in touch with your experience so that if it does progress to a, to a stronger tool, you're not efforting it. You're not over overdoing it. You know that, you know, because sometimes when we start with a strong, with a strong push, in my experience, it's very rare to have everything in alignment so that that strong push really works well. Usually it's like, well, just like warming up. You know, I'm sure when you play drums, there's, there's like wrist warm ups. There's so many things that you get lined up very light level things, you know, that don't even have any weight to them at all that allow you to begin to unlock bigger things. So. Shovels and feather dusters.
suture 1.12, or 3.12. Wow, we're cruising. Anyone else have a comment or a question before we, there's just another aspect to the suture, but that doesn't mean we have to go there. So I will say that uh, we are sort of wrapping up the acting analogy. And for some, they're like, yay, how long are we going to talk about acting? Okay. Abaya and I, Abaya was joking. She's like, how much of this is about acting? And I was like, this is actually the last one. Um, and she's like, I think, I think uh, Lakshmanju just likes acting a lot because he's really like, he's really expounded on them. Like there isn't that much. There's like little bits, but he's made it a lot. So um, in our last sort of sutra that pulls on this acting metaphor, Lakshmanju, uh, I'm not even, I, I'm only going to use half of what he said because he had a whole nother half. Uh, but part of uh, what he says here is, and I'll, we'll get to his interpretation. Uh, well, Shemiraj just tells us that in drama, also the acting of the inner mental condition is achieved through talent. Pause. I know that sounds like out of nowhere. I'll explain in a second. Jai Davis Singh says, just as the actor can act out the sattva, the mental state, only through the talent. So what they're saying is the yogi has spiritual intuition, allowing them to know where inside is in them. And they're trying to say that the actor also uses a form of this intuition in order to understand the motivations of the character they wish to portray. So when I am playing the role of, I'm just gonna throw out, you know, Mr. Knightley, in case anybody's seen that movie recently, okay. Um, what would Mr. Knightley like to eat in this situation? I might ask myself. What would Mr. Knightley, what, if I was at an art museum, what, what painting would Mr. Knightley like? And so in this interesting way, the actor has this interesting like practice going on um, where they're actually surrendering their personal likes and dislikes in order to feel with what they would consider to be the likes and dislikes of their character. And so they have this interesting moment and the sutras are telling us this, that when you are acting as a character, you're sort of doing this. Now, it's not just acting. It's in, actually originally in the sutra, the original translation is about dancing and they changed it to acting uh, supposedly because the um, Lakshmanju said that acting is more, we get acting more than dancing. But back in a thousand years ago um, in Kashmir, it was actually like all these acting references were dancing. So it's dancing, it's acting, it's playing music, it's drawing, it's anything we call the arts, essentially. It's even running or um, swimming, you know, like when you hit your stride when you separate a little bit. And so to focus on the arts though, the idea of getting out of the way, right? Now, a lot of times in the arts, we're getting out of the way 
And then we say, so that I can do this. And that's good. That's fine, right? You're surrendering, you're opening up, you're getting out of the way so that you can draw or paint this thing, so that you can act as this character, right? Um, and we see in the sutra that there are sort of three levels to this work. We see it as sattvika abhinaya is described as the highest form of acting, the highest form of dance or music or whatever art you're doing, where you truly get out of the way and you really let Shiva act through you in that moment, in that character, in that art. They say another tier down would be when you sort of get out of the way, meaning you surrender, but there's still a lot of you coming through. And in the text, Lakshmanju often describes this as from the audience's perspective, you can you see the character on the stage and you also sort of see the actor at the same time. That's like, you know, when you're watching like made for TV drama or something where it's like really, you know, just so-so and you can tell they make them a lot and quickly. Uh, you're like, yeah, I can sort of see the actor and sort of see the character. And then there's Thomas Abinaya where it's like a caricature acting and it's exhausting to watch and it's exhausting to do. Um, and so this is all fun for helping us say, oh, I know what you're talking about. I, I can relate to that either as an actor or as an audience member. Um, I understand what you're saying. But as far as like our practice goes, what's really important to take away from this is that there is an intuition aspect that we access in a lot of fields of our life, um, that you sort of know how to do this for things you really care about, for things you're passionate about. I mean, it's not just the arts. It could literally be like, and art, well, architecture is sort of like the arts too, but you can go into any field. And as soon as you start feeling passion and start doing great work, you're sort of opening the door to this. And so we know how to do this. We do it already, right? And so sometimes we do that great work and sometimes we do so-so work and we sort of know the difference internally. Um, you know, when it's sort of a little bit of you and it's a little bit of, surrender sort of intermingling and sometimes we literally do work or we do work from from a state of ego and we all know what happens to that work it never survives whenever i'm working on an essay and i'm in my head about it and i'm writing it because i need to be done or i'm running out of time or i think it should look like this it never survives the next day i'll look at it and it's junk I don't know if you guys can relate to that. There's probably something, you know, and you're just like, you delete the whole thing. You don't want to, but you're like, this isn't anything. And you realize how uh, valuable this concept is and how rare it is. And so just to sort of bring this concept to an end here, and then we can comment and, and work with it. Um, we might feel like, oh, okay, well, I, I'm with you from a state of like when I'm doing that stuff I'm passionate about or, or, but I don't really know, you know, what this looks like in everyday life. Well, I will remind you that the word actor, the root word of it is act, action. Every action you make is either imbued with Shiva or imbued with ego in Shiva or imbued with ego, right? Every action we make. Um, sometimes when we're working on something we're really passionate about, we 
feel compelled to really get out of the way. We're willing to do the work because we love this thing, you know, but it's in these, all these other in-between moments when what helps us reach, you know, for that subtle state, when you're literally not doing anything that's being recorded, when, when it's just a state of like, I'm going from here to there. Do you walk from here to there as Shiva or do you walk from here to there as someone who's maybe upset at something or someone who's procrastinating or, you know what I mean? So this isn't just for actors, of course. It's not even just for artists. It's for anyone who acts in their life, who performs actions, which of course is all of us. So with that said, yeah, Gita. As I'm looking at this, uh, I'm thinking of if you're at the Sattvika area, you really, there's more wisdom and compassion in your behavior. And if you're down at the Tamas area, then it's, it's truly all ego and the compassion and, and wisdom in particular, uh, you're reactive rather than acting, uh, responding as the situation might require. Mm. So there's, uh, at the top, there, I mean, the relationship, the inner, the response and the interchange between the two people is much more caring and um the word that comes to my mind is clean mm -hmm. yeah i'm just trying to feel and for that that it's like i like the direction you're going with relating it to like an interchange between a couple of people and in, instead of and in, in saying that like uh, there's a higher level of interaction available here and there's a lower level and the lower level would be defined as I'm simply reacting to what these this other individual is saying and it's it's just I, I'm not actually connecting to where they're coming from which you said the word compassion and I'm always intrigued by the word compassion I do feel like there's it's unfolding for me as a term almost like the word surrender you know I feel like there's so much there and so you're saying like there's more compassion when you get out of the way, which mm -hmm. a lot of people might think, but compassion is when I go around hugging people, which Babaji is always remind us that's not compassion. That's well, you know, the the Buddhist saying is that it's idiot compassion, meaning you externalize yourself so much that you end up getting hurt. Um and so you're saying compassion is when you get out of the way. And so mm -hmm. if you really want to support someone even in just an everyday conversation, get out of the way. Get, use your practice to get out of the way. And I think that's going to look different for each of us. You know, it doesn't mean being silent. You know, it doesn't mean like looking meditative, but it does require some practice. It's not easy. And, and it might feel awkward at first, especially at first, you know, it might feel like you don't, that the exchange isn't as rapid as, as we're used to or witty, you know, mm -hmm. but maybe there's something under the surface that's so much more nourishing that we 
could be exchanging. Yeah, I look forward to trying that. I feel like I have to just put it into action the next time, like at a meal or something when I'm talking to these guys. <laughs> I can't see him. Sunanda. It reminds me a little bit of the Hamsa mantra. I'm just thinking about that idea of I am and thinking about, um, you know, before I found the ashram, really my strong attachments to acting out the roles that I play, you know, and feeling very much like I am a mom, I am a teacher, I am a vegetarian, like I am <laughs> all of these roles that I play. Um, and it's such an interesting journey being in our sangha and growing and learning this when you drop you know you have i am and then you kind of drop the the word at the end of that and start to kind of settle into the almost kind of ambiguity or fluidity of of just ending the sentence that i am and moving into sort of up from that bottom one and into the middle one and and that recognition that our our roles are still, you know, a part of our life and we can do do take care of our responsibilities with passion and compassion. And at the same time, that willingness to detach and to really let it all go and um yeah, get out of the way. <laughs> yeah. So I'm just seeing some connections. It's very helpful. Yeah, especially just starting with just the simplest level is just to just pause the the noun at the end of the sentence, you know, just to pause it, just be like, yeah, I'm a teacher and I am a mom and I am this and I am those things, yes. And then just like, well, I'm just going to put that on pause for a second, you know, in this moment. Really that's why I love our practice so much is because you might hear something like that in like a magazine where you're just like, yeah, just take a moment to connect with where you're at right now. And you're like, yeah, that's true. But who, who really can, you know, it really takes practice to do that. It's a subtle thing. It's not just like, like, I don't know what anyone would do if you just said that to like anyone on Instagram at any given moment. You know, it'd be like, I don't know, you know, it's just like, well, well, you got to create the space for that. You got to, you got to work at something, you know, you actually have to like, it's a process. You have to become proficient at it. And just to recognize that it's a process is, is I feel like sort of where you are indicating with that, like just to recognize that it's a process. That's, that's the direction I want to be going. And as, as I was listening to you, Sunanda, I realized that like what Gita was saying, I feel like the re one of the reasons these discussions are, are so valuable, this, uh, this class, and I've said it so many times before, is because we're actually getting, I feel like we're getting a chance to interact with each other with a very high level of awareness. And I feel like what Gita was describing is like listening with compassion I feel like this is this, this class, like what we're doing right now. We're all listening to each other. 
with a lot of like receptivity and like clarity and like when we're talking we're really like trying to speak from a place that's still inside and so i feel like one of the reasons this class is magical is because of what gita was describing and i was like oh it's not foreign to us we're doing it right now but it is a little foreign uh, <laughs> Uh, any final thoughts before we conclude? Sure, Kat, go for it. I'm just thinking about the homework I have now. Like I'm talking to general contractors all day and they kind of fall in these three categories of like, there's this level at the bottom where I send an email out and I immediately get a blank email sent back like total cartoon of like they want me to know they received the email but they're not going to give me anything back that's and that's true. like their response and it like makes me scream every time and then there's like the next level of like everything comes back in all caps whether it's good or bad it's like they don't know how to turn off their caps lock so I never know how to interpret and then there's a level of like the general contractor cares about who they're building for and there's like a level of discussion every time and like, I always give back what they give me. And like, I have some homework to do <laughs> mm. about how I'm responding yeah, to that, even okay. that blank email. Yeah, and I think everybody here would be like, yeah, that's that does sound tough. I don't even, I've never actually received a blank email response like that. That's pretty, that's pretty rough. But um, yeah, that's why we have Sangha, you know, just to remind ourselves that like those interactions do not, uh, uh, it can make you crazy when you don't think anybody else out there can respond in a different way. And then you come into this setting and you're like, no, 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 no. It's, there's a lot of people specifically in our Sangha that, that very much care. <laughs> And so get, coming together, especially in these times, right, when we've been sort of secluded from just the just the the gentle reminders of that, you know, because like we have to be socially distanced and we don't get to see each other's facial expressions as much. It's hard to even recognize a smile, you know, behind a mask. So we just don't have as many gentle reminders throughout our day, um, you know, so the, the the stronger emotions can dominate. And so, yeah, that just makes this all the more valuable. I've definitely felt like throughout this, this period of time that every Sangha class together has been like a reset button for me too. Just a, just a neutral, just brings me back to neutral no matter where I was at. Well, everyone, um, Thank you all again so much. It's such a special time together as we just coincidentally just commented on. So namaste. Babaji and Faith are right outside. So I'm going to go and they are um, going to be heading home here in just an hour and a half. So pretty exciting. You guys will get to see them soon. Have a great week. Have a great intensive. See you all this weekend.